Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with knowledge that empowers you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Before I begin today's show, I hope that you're one of many people who are now subscribing to one of our free newsletters. They're filled with money-saving advice you can trust. That's just a slogan, right? The real deal with us is we don't have any what's known by the euphemism sponsored content. Unfortunately, like a plague of locusts, Sponsored content has invaded all kinds of news sources, websites, newsletters, you name it, where you're reading something that you think is news content, but is actually an ad. That will never happen, never happen with us. You can trust that what you see is what we believe in our heads and our hearts. So all you got to do, go to Clark.com slash newsletter to subscribe. And remember, it's free. And if you end up subscribing, you're like, I don't like this. This isn't useful for me, whatever. We make it just as easy to unsubscribe as to subscribe. No games, no gimmicks with signing up. So depending on where you live in the country, it's getting cold out there. That makes me think of one thing. What's it going to cost us to heat our homes this winter? And I've got some good news that, barring some unexpected event in the world, is really good for your and my wallet. And later, there's a game some of the big auto insurers are playing now following an accident. I need to make sure you know what's going on to protect your wallet in the aftermath of an accident. So last year, in my TV work, I did so many stories about doing everything you could to mitigate the enormous increase in the cost of natural gas. You know, we were still dealing with the after effects of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. The cost of winter heating last year, so much of it with people who have direct natural gas lines into their homes or heat with electricity So much of electricity in the United States now is supplied by natural gas. Price goes up and down, up and down, up and down. I'm looking at a live pricing right now. It moves up and down all within a session. Like I'm looking right now, in just the last little while, the cost of natural gas at wholesale down 3% plus. And then later it might be up 3%. But the trend is our friend because natural gas is a roughly a third the cost this year than it was a year ago. And when you have natural gas supplied to your home, if you're in a regulated state or an unregulated one, ultimately the cost of the natural gas is reflected as a big portion of what you pay 
to your natural gas provider or service. If you do have a heat pump, so you heat with electricity, with most regulated electricity providers, in most states they're regulated, there's a pass-through of energy costs. And this winter, uh, particularly in states that rely on natural gas for a big portion of how they provide that electricity, you're going to see much lower pass-through costs for the purchase of the natural gas by the various electricity providers. And so this is really good news. It doesn't mean with the cost of natural gas being approximately a third of what it was a year ago that your bill is going to be a third because you're paying for so much stuff. You're paying for the pipelines that exist, the delivery of that through the pipeline. You're paying for maintenance. You're paying for the profits of the providers. So there is a big direct savings to you is not going to be uh, two-thirds savings, but it will be nice and substantial. And isn't it nice to have some good news on the price front? And this is clearly good news. Remember I was talking about how quickly the price moves? So it was the price was down 3% when I started talking about this. It dropped to 1%. Now it's back to 3% all in just the last two minutes. So it is a volatile fuel. The price moves a lot in the marketplace, but clearly the price is substantially lower than it was. And again, barring who knows what in the world, we're going to have a a much better bill to open each month this winter. And Krista is out with family this week. So Nicole is filling in and Nicole, it's great to have you here today. Good to be here. So we're going to a different source of energy from David in South Carolina. I was turned on to your show back in 2021, and now I listen every week. Your podcast and Clark.com helped our family tremendously when we were navigating buying our first home. After hearing you mention solar energy on the podcast, I did some research to see if solar panels would be a good option for us. Unfortunately, due to the size and direction of our roof, solar panels don't make sense in our situation. This made me curious about wind energy. Living near the mountains, I imagine that wind energy would make more sense for our home than solar. I looked on Clark.com for a guide to wind turbines and was surprised that I couldn't find one. Searching your website, I find much less on wind energy than I do on solar panels. Why is that? From my limited knowledge, it seems like a lot of Clarkies could benefit from you sharing some resources related to this topic. Are there any websites or services you could point people to who are curious about wind energy? Well, this is a great question. And David, the deal is wind energy is not normally considered to be a distributed source of power. Solar is a distributed source, meaning that if you put solar panels on your roof or if you have a yard, putting them in the yard, because the last home that I put solar in, we did a solar farm where it was put on stilts on a hillside on our property rather than putting it on the roof, which was a cheaper way to install it and was much more efficient because we could aim it exactly. Solar lends itself very well to being a local power source. Wind does not. Now, that may change in the future. Also, in a lot of places in the country, you're never going to be able to get permitted to put a wind turbine on your property 
because of the adjacent neighbors if you're in any kind of traditional neighborhood. If you're on a, a big rural piece of land, yeah, I guess you could. But the way the wind turbine industry works, if you go buy a wind farm, you'll see a very large number of arrays of wind turbines that all are working together and sending power to the grid. So at least with today's technology, I'm not aware of people being able to use wind as a distributed form of energy, meaning local for your own house. From Deb in Utah, in the article titled, The Number One Bill You Should Always Get by Mail, Clark says he has a Wells Fargo bank account. I am shocked as he trashes the big banks all the time, and I think Wells Fargo is the worst of the worst. Why would Clark have an account with them? So first of all, I don't. I refer to Wells Fargo as a criminal enterprise impersonating a bank, and I've said that for years, but we run a democracy at Clark.com and at my companies, and Craig, one of our writers, has his account at Wells Fargo, and that was a first-person article by Craig. There are dozens of writers that work for us on Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com, and they bring their own personalities, their own opinions, their own experience to the table. So even though Craig has heard me for years trash Wells Fargo, he likes them, he uses them, and so he wrote about them. That's what it's all about. So no, I don't. <laughs> I don't do business with Wells Fargo. I remember when we switched payroll companies and we had a staff meeting and Krista called out a few people um, when she was like, we had to turn in our, our new bank statements. And she said, there are a lot of you that are here with big monster mega banks and people were in the meeting like. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, truth is, I'm not a fan of the way the four giant monster mega banks do business. I mean, you got Chase, City, Wells, and Bank of America, that the four of them control more than half of banking in the United States. I don't think that's healthy. You know, right now, if you look at what the four giant monster mega banks are paying people on savings versus going out in the marketplace, it's really a stunner how little these banks are continuing to pay. Even in today's five plus percent interest rate market on savings accounts and CDs, if you're with one of the four giant monster megas, you may still be earning only one one hundredth of one percent on your savings. I don't like them. From John in Pennsylvania. I just heard you speak about renting out a portion of your house if the zoning allows it. I live in an area zoned for single family dwellings. The house next to me has recently been sold and the new owner has converted it to two apartments and rented them out. I have reported this to the local government and I'm waiting to see if anything happens. You Don't have- hold your breath. Bad idea to hold your breath for never. <laughs> do you have any suggestions on things I can do to have this apartment building return to a single family dwelling? All right. So I don't know what kind of community you live in, John, if there's any homeowners association, but the real power comes from the association, even if it's a non-mandatory association or from neighbors, in addition to yourself, contacting your city council member or county commissioner whatever the government structure is, town council, whatever it is where you live in Pennsylvania. Because if you just go to the bureaucracy, there's no sense of urgency over this. But if you go the political route and 
definitely strength in numbers, you'll keep this from happening. Because what happens is if the neighborhood is zoned single family, single use occupant, and somebody gets away with turning something into a, a two household property, then somebody else is like, well, well, look, they're getting away with it down there. I think I'm going to do that here and on like that. And so that is something that has to be nipped in the bud if the culture of your community is single family homes only. Now, the irony is you said, you hear me talk about how one of the solutions to housing affordability and housing availability in the country is creating a rental property in your own home, accessory dwelling unit, an apartment over a garage, a basement apartment, whatever. And I'm a big fan of this in areas where it's tradition and accepted. If people live in a strict single-family home neighborhood, then that's what it should be. But let me tell you, John, the movement in the country is towards having these rental units inside or adjacent to somebody's home. As I said, basement, garage, or a little cottage, what's now called by the the fancy term ADU, accessory dwelling unit. So much so that there's now a new lending rule that under many circumstances allows a first-time home buyer to be able to qualify for more mortgage than they would be otherwise because of the fact that the property they're buying has a rental attached to it or part of it, and that rental income that they would have helps them qualify for a mortgage. And we're going to see more of that because of how expensive housing has become and how nearly impossible it is right now for a first-time home buyer. Coming straight ahead, I want to talk about insurance companies behaving badly. I actually had an experience with this two years ago. It didn't hurt me, but it could have. I'm going to tell you what you need to know following an auto accident. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So we had a really lucky situation that I shared a couple of years ago. Someone hit our parked car when we weren't there and left a note. 
said they were sorry and left their name and phone number. I thought that was just a class act because you think how often someone will do something wrong and when nobody's looking, they just think, hey, I got away with this and they drove off. The funny thing is it's a Tesla and it has sentry mode. It wouldn't have mattered if this person had been honest or not because we had a, a perfect video of the accident plus video of the person's license plate, license tag. We had it. But they had done the right thing and they called their insurer and said they'd done this and blah, blah, blah. So all that was great. So I get a call within like two days from an adjuster with the insurance company and the adjuster says, oh, well, we've done an estimate of the damage to your vehicle and we'd like to send you a check for $1,150. And I'm like, well, thanks, but no thanks. Um, I'm going to take it to a body shop and we went through this song and dance and found a Tesla approved body shop that they also do business with. It goes to the body shop and then the body shop gives its estimate, which was $8,800. So here the insurer was going to give me $1,150. And a lot of times when it's a smaller accident, what do you see when you drive around? People don't repair their car. They just leave the damage take whatever money they get from the insurer, and they feel like, hey, I just won the lottery. But you didn't because when the time comes you want to sell off your car, you're suffering the the real loss, not what the insurance company gave you. And we were going to fix the car. So know this, it is very common, and there was a story, what made me think about this was I read a story the other day about auto insurers doing this, where they lowball the other party, not their insured, but where they're insured at fault, that they lowball to the third party like me that was not their customer and hope you'll just say, well, great, yeah, send me the $1,150. i am good. But what you'll find out, it might not always be as extreme as offering basically 12% of the real cost of repairing the car, but it will be way below what the real cost of repairing your car is. So that's why you don't just accept that check. Now, depending on the state, because auto insurance is regulated by the state, the insurer, if you actually do decide to get your car, truck, SUV, or whatever repaired, that payment is not a waiver of you receiving more money if the cost of repairing the car is more than their initial estimate. Some states, you take that check, it's over, and that's all you're going to get. Others, that's only an opening offer, and even if you take the check, it's not final if you get the vehicle repaired, because that's the real test. If you're not getting it repaired, then you're in a weak position getting a fair payment from the insurer. And there's something else I have to say. You know, You see the TV ads, the billboards for the personal injury lawyers. And it's been my belief for a long time that the auto insurers have brought that on themselves with all the, you've been injured in an accident, now you can be a zillionaire. I mean, it's funny, you drive down I-95 in Florida, seems like every other billboard is for some personal injury lawyer, and you'll see on many of them, where 
they're acting like you won a lottery that you were in an accident. It'll show somebody will be smiling with a big check they're holding with a lot of zeros following whatever the first digit is. And, you know, now I'm rich because I hired blah, blah, blah. So there is a certain mentality that, hey, I got hit, so now I'm going to be rich. And that's been influenced by all this TV advertising. But I think there's another thing, and that is following an accident with injury of some kind, a lot of insurers really play dirty pool in this area. And they don't play straight with people. And they lowball. And they say, oh, you don't need a lawyer. You know, just just work with us here. Just trust us. And the industry has so acted in bad faith with people injured in accidents that it's like the industry's driven people to lawyers. I think how often I've talked to people who say, you know, I didn't want to hire one of those people. I didn't want to hire one of those lawyers. But the insurer was playing dirty. And so we've got a lot going on here that drives up the cost of insurance for all of us. And that's just one part. Now, I just insulted a lot of professions and a lot of industries, all in just a couple of minutes here. So remember, we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, where you can go post where you feel like I'm only telling part of the story or a slanted viewpoint of it about what goes on with auto insurance and claims. And now, what do you got from me, Nicole? From Sam in Michigan. I have a situation where an adult daughter living on her own is in an immediate need of a vehicle. I am offering her to use one of my vehicles short term while she pursues a replacement. My question is in regards to insurance. Should I contact my insurance company about this? I don't want to needlessly make it complicated. I'm expecting she will get a new vehicle in about two weeks. All right. So first of all, I'm not a lawyer. I'm going to point that out, Sam. As a practical matter, if this really is a matter of days or weeks, not months, then it is normal and routine in a family that a family member would lend one of their cars to another family member. And that's what you're doing here. If it became a thing where she was never getting around to buying a new vehicle, I would say you hit a month. Yes, you call your insurer and say that temporarily your daughter is using one of your cars because hers, for whatever reason, is not available. Up to that point, just extremely temporary use, I don't see any reason for you to do anything different. Sometimes, though, with an adult child, if you've solved the problem for them temporarily, in their mind, you've solved it for them more than temporarily. And uh, so that's your own family dynamic, and we'll see what happens with that. Next question is from Clark in Pennsylvania. As we are going through a transition process, I've been renting a storage rental facility for a year. I had the monthly payment set up on auto payment. The payment was charged to me on the 4th of the month. I moved out of the facility on the 16th, but the facility will not prorate and give me any refund. I have used other facilities in the past that did prorate when I moved out. Is this legal, but just poor business practice? Is there anything I can do? Yeah, what you're describing is exactly as you posed it as a question. It is legal, and it is a bad business practice. And they learn legitimately the storage industry, and it varies from storage owner to storage owner if they prorate or not. They learn from the cable monsters, and they learn from the cell phone carriers, 
who start charging you for service on the day you sign up for service with them, but then make you pay for the whole month when you do switch from them to someone else. And it is a despicable practice. It is dishonest. It is dirty. It is crooked. And it is rotten. And it is also legal because the contract you sign as a customer anticipates this if they want to be dishonest and underhanded and allows them to charge you from the day you start somewhere, but then charge you for the full month whenever you decide to leave, not prorating. So it is something that we have to be aware of, and it is unfortunately common. From Kathleen in Hawaii. I have been an Intuit Mint user for years to keep daily track of my expenses. I love this program. I treat myself as a business by keeping track of all money coming in and going out on a daily basis, then adding it to a monthly spreadsheet. I have been doing this for almost seven years now since I began using Mint, so I can compare costs and evaluate expenditures. This program has helped me immensely. I pay $1.04 per month for an ad-free experience, which I think is worth it. I received this email from Mint. Is it real? And the email says, Hi, Kathleen. We're emailing you to let you know that premium and ad-free Mint services will be discontinued in the near future. You'll still be able to enjoy access to Mint's premium features through the end of the period you are billed for, but will not have the option to renew once it has ended. Log in now to view your subscription end date. Thank you for being a valued Mint member. It is true. Mint is discontinuing the ad-free subscription, the premium. If you're going to remain with Mint and you've been embedded with them, you're going to have to pick a new subscription plan with them. I'm a big fan of with technology companies grandfathering people in, saying that if you want to go to a new plan, you can. But I think it's it's such a short-sighted decision of companies. There's nothing evil about what Mint's doing here. It's not like what we were talking about with the cell phone carriers and the cable monster and the storage units with the pro-rate thing. But this is not a smart business practice because somebody who's been with you and has been happy paying year after year, they may say, you know what? Maybe I don't need this anymore. Maybe I should go somewhere else. So leaving people on the plan they're on as long as they want to be on it, to me, makes a lot more sense. But it's their company. They don't want to do it. So it is true what you received that they are discontinuing the ad-free and premium, and you're going to have to make a choice of a new plan or choose to use another tool for your budgeting. We have on Clark.com information about how to pick one of these budgeting tools. I have been meaning to mention I had talked, gosh, is it two months now, about where T-Mobile employees who were very disturbed by something T-Mobile was getting ready to do leaked internal documents on Reddit at great risk to their careers, their jobs. And what a wonderful thing they did because T-Mobile is under an agreement with the federal government that allowed them to buy Sprint where people would not have any price increases at all on existing plans. So T-Mobile has been jonesing for more revenue from its customers 
So they were going to raise people's rates on existing plans by migrating people without their knowledge or consent to more expensive plans. And there was such an uproar because once this was on Reddit, it got picked up on different boards, different social media. Then it got into the general media. I blasted the CEO of T-Mobile about this, the uncarrier, you know, that did things differently than what they used to refer to as Dumb and Dumber, AT&T, and Verizon. So I said, now the big three cell phone carriers were Dumb, Dumber, and Dumbest. And T-Mobile had its own negative term about it. Well, they backed down, and the CEO and a discussion with financial analysts did not apologize and mischaracterized this, because you read the documents, it's just not true, mischaracterized this as just an experiment Why would you experiment to cheat people? And then he went on to say how the feedback was very clear and they're not going to try this stunt again. So thank goodness. And it shows that our voices do matter more than we sometimes realize. That collective response has effect. You know, a lot of times in big corporations, there's a problem of groupthink where they're all talking to each other, they lose their moral compass, they lose the focus on customers, and they think, wow, look how many additional millions we'll make every month if we cheat our customers and just migrate them. And and they somehow thought internally that was like a great plan, a great idea. I call it the curse of the MBAs. I can say it because I have one. So the thing is, it was the public reaction that hit them right in the face. It was just clear as could be. So particularly before something has been implemented, when it does leak because of courageous employees and the public reacts, it does make a difference and you bring about change. Don't ever think of yourself as powerless. And now it's time for today's Clarky. Who do we have now, Nicole? We will hear from Clarky Tom. All right, Tom. Hey, Team Clark, this is a Clarky message from Tom. I'm in the hotel business, and obviously COVID was very hard. Something I've been doing when I travel now and stay at a hotel is I'll leave a thank you note to housekeeping just to thank them for a great clean room and working hard through these tough times. And I put it in a uh, indiscriminate place, maybe behind a pillow or something. I think it'd be great if uh, us Clarkies left a... Uh, thank you card and maybe Clark's website for people to uh, get to know Clark better. We just say thanks for all you do. Put in like $5 and put visit Clark.com. All right. Take care. Thank you very much. And I don't leave a note when I come out of the door and I see a housekeeper in the hallway, always go and thank the housekeeper because they have by far the toughest job in the hotel other than working in the hotel laundry, which to me is the hardest job in a hotel. But I really appreciate what people do following up after a lot of us are pretty messy and going in there and having to clean up our rooms. And I always leave a tip behind. And if I do see a housekeeper, I do speak to them. And I encourage you to remember there are people who we feel like we have to tip that we're face-to-face with, and then there are others we ignore. And housekeepers in a hotel 
are a perfect example of people who are in the hierarchy of a hotel at the low end of the totem pole and are generally not compensated well. And so doing what you said is a great idea, except I don't know that you need to tell them about Clark.com. <laughs> That's funny. I appreciate it so much. I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember what we're about. Save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. Have a great rest of your day.